Doobie listeners. You are listening to... You are listening to... The Undercard with me, your host. I hope you're all having a good night so far. As we present to you once again, as I said, The Undercard. premier station for all of your wrestling and sports combat related news here in our fine, fine university. Now then... Uh, this is a small comeback, I guess, in a way, but um, yeah, I haven't been on in a bit. I do apologize for that. I had a bit of an off break since my last video regarding the Impact Wrestling um, pay-per-view, which admittedly I did. I really, really enjoyed I, I think I admitted that, that I really, really enjoyed that, uh, that pay-per-view. I thought it was very well done. I had things to say about the ending, and I have quite a few things to mention all in all this week regarding since there's been recent news about uh, ratings and uh, new six-star reviews from Dave Meltzer. And um, yeah, and I also want to mention that because I've had a few people come at me with opinions on what they thought of the recent Kenny Omega fiasco with him, of course, holding both AEW and Impact and Triple Mania World Champions. I don't know if he's actually the Triple Mania World Champion. Is he? Is he the World Champion of Triple Mania? I'm gonna double check that. Or not the Triple Mania. I said Triple A is his. Is the name of the company that runs it. Triple A, literally Triple A worldwide. Uh, I'm not sure if he's the World Champion. Is he? Oh yes, yes, yes. He is the A Triple A Mega Champion. So he is yes, their equivalent to the World Champion. Very very interesting there. But yes, that is also recent news I wanted to get into regarding that. But as of right now, let us do a brief, um, just kind of um, some brief wrestling news, I'd say, in the world today uh, before I get into some of the more, uh, I think, inflammatory stuff I wanted to get into, some kind of fun. Randy Orton talking a bit about why he didn't like Matt Riddle initially. So... Uh, it, it, it's kind of it's one of those issues, of course, where Randy is a he is a legend. He is a certified legend, of course, now in the, the world of professional wrestling and not just WWE. And he mentioned before tag teaming with him, he was in a in attendance to one of the NXT events, and he was backstage and he saw Matt Riddle and he said, in an attempt to strike up a conversation with him, he said, "There he is, there he is." In a way, uh, looking at Matt Riddle, who he says in response just kind of looked at him before walking away without um, acknowledgement. And that peeved him off because in professional wrestling, you always, always shake the hands of legends and just everyone in general. Just you always, it's a sign of good faith. And to not shake the hand is a punishable offense by wrestlers' court and public possible hazing. So that's just recent news with regarding Randy Orton and Matt Riddle. And he says he likes him now because he said he earned his respect after the one promo went wrong with Oscar where he completely messed up his line and just like, I can't remember the script and just scoots off that really, really funny scene with Oscar and Matt Riddle, of course, uh, got some attention for not being scripted. So, the, but uh, just to discuss RK bro as a whole, I, I really do enjoy it. I I'm enjoying the kind of the dynamic on couple teams or something. I think WWE they enjoy. And I honestly think they do it pretty well. I, I can think of a lot of, a lot of good teams they've done with it. They've done Mankind, McFoley. They're currently doing Killian Dane, Drake Maverick, Rico, and Charlie Haas. While maybe a bit insensitive, was also very entertaining. Gold Dust and Booker T was really fun. 
they can do these kind of odd couple teams well as long as it's not the as long as the main focus is not on can they coexist because then those just get those are just driven into the ground with that stupid narrative Michael Cole insists on doing. Can they coexist? Is it possible for these two forces to work together? And we, we've seen that story many times, but it's always fun to see the odd couple tag teams kind of play out, especially with people like a Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. Matt Riddle obviously would get a huge rub for someone like Randy Orton, who, you know, it's always, it's funny to think that Randy Orton isn't as old as I like to sometimes think he is. I think he's only, he's only, I think, 39, if I'm correct. No, no, he's 41. Yeah, still, he's not nearly as old. I thought he'd be more in his middle age by now, but no, he is definitely not. And Riddle still being pretty young. He's I currently currently 34, if I'm correct. 35. Ah, I'm all off today. He's currently 35. So yeah, still pretty good. Still good, but amazing in the ring. He's had great battles with Sheamus. Sheamus also having moved on to newer things with Mansoor and Humberto Carrillo have re-debuting against Mansoor. So lots happening in the wrestling world, all in all, that I'm happy to come back to report on. Kind of a rainy, gloomy day right now. And it is a it's, it's, it's sad that it's also Mother's Day and that has to be the case, but I hope you've all called your parents and you've called your mom, told her, told her you love her. That's my... Hello, hello again. I hope you're all having a good night so far. We are back here on the undercard with me, your host, once again. Uh, we can continue now with some of our fun wrestling news. we got some interesting stuff going on right now, so let us get into it. We have, first off, I wanted to talk a bit about uh, our recent NXT debut with AJ Francis, the former um, linebackman, I believe I'm correct, in saying that, I don't remember what's he's a football player, I remember that much, but oh, yeah, I think he was linebacker, if I'm correct. I don't remember what I said he was nose tackle, dang it, Ta nose tackle. I do apologize for that. AJ Francis, uh, nose tackle, a nose tackle for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defensive tackle, very, very nice. Recently debuted on WWE TV, he's also recently been working with WWE as a part of the Treasure uh, series on the on the excuse me for a second there uh yeah on their kind of their hidden treasures most wanted treasure series i'm reading up on his bio just to make sure a and e's new series it, it's pretty fun honestly i've taken a look at it. It, it it's pretty funny stuff it's them looking through he joins up with wwe legends and he'll go around and find certain like hidden treasures like the one i saw of course was mick foley trying to find his original mr socko sock but or when they joined up with Jerry the King Lawler and he found the oh the the shirt he had a heart attack in, which was a very, very scary time, of course. But what we have otherwise is that he recently debuted on NXT to help out his friend Isaiah Swerve Scott after he helped prevent Leon Ruff hit from hitting a big frog splash on him and he hit a Death Valley driver onto the barricade. Very, very brutal looking, honestly, and also very, very fluid too. I was very impressed by the talent he showed just in that one second there. But he had an interview 
where he talked about uh, his work with NFL, how he's working, paying his dues with WWE. He said on uh, not, not making it to the NFL after going undrafted. You don't see a lot of guys that went undrafted and make the NFL and then end their career with a five-year NFL pension. I love playing football, but even when I was in the NFL, my dream was to become WWE champion. Of course, lots of people who have been a part of football have made it into the WWE before. And a lot of people, a lot of them have been really, really successful. I look at Baron Corbin. He was the, the former Thomas, or not really the former Thomas Pescott. That's his current name. But I believe he was a Colts player as well. Uh, Brock Lesnar has done football. Roman Reigns was a football player as well. Goldberg, probably the most famous of them all when it comes to being a former football star to pro wrestling with his undefeated streak, of course. But and Pat McAfee recently also signing with WWE as he's doing more play by play work now. So it's not really the same, but he showed a ton of promise in the time he was given in the ring in NXT before joining SmackDown as a broadcaster. So, yeah, it's definitely he's definitely got the potential there. There's just I don't know. I don't know what it, I don't, don't know what it is about that sport that breeds so, so many kind of successful wrestlers. But there's also, of course, been a handful that aren't too too terribly successful so he also talked about paying his dues in wwe he said i paid my dues just in a different manner i know people don't like it when they you don't go to the indies but that's but that's when i was in the nfl my story is different i played in the nfl i got a master's degree i have two albums and i've been on tour for my music but i've never stopped loving wrestling i went to every indie show i could i went to wrestlemania five different times before i ever signed my hope is to be wwe champion until I am WWE champion, my purpose on Earth is not complete. Uh, this is this is this is an interesting point by Francis because it's actually kind of interesting how if, when you look at it how this is kind of turned around in many ways. Where lots of people, first and foremost, I want to point out, AJ Francis is currently 31. I believe most WWE champions tend to peak around 36, 37, uh, some in their 40s. It's very very possible. So. If with the right amount of training and star power and promo work, he could most certainly become WWE champion. I think he very much has the potential. But uh, just pointing out, it's kind of a funny thing that he mentions because it, it does, in a way, seem like this, the sentiment around what we as fans like about our wrestlers when they come to NXT or when they enter WWE is nowadays we like them to have that kind of indie experience. We like to have seen them, you know, work the circuit a bit so then when they come to N NXT, we already know they're very well trained often forgetting that nxt started out literally as a developmental group it was for people that were just getting started or who had just been you know working just kind of a few dates or just needed more kind of polished not really these kind of established veterans that we know nowadays because obviously shinsuke nakamura and bull dempsey weren't on the same level Nakamura had been a veteran of the business for years at that point. Dempsey was just getting started. Same with, if you look at CJ CJ Parker, the current Juice Robinson, compared to uh, compared to Sami Zayn, who had been working the independent scene as El, El Generico for years as well on PWG and Ring of Honor, PWG and PWG and Ring of Honor with Kevin Steen. So, it is interesting though to think that there was a time when. We as wrestling fans, you know, kind of looked down on the indies. We saw them as like anyone that was from the so-called indies was considered inferior to WWE at the time. Oh, how the sentiments have changed. I do think it's I think that's just hilarious. I don't think it's and I think it's I think it's annoying that there is a sentiment that people 
if you're from another sport, you there's a bit of like hate there because yes, I, like I said, there have been people that have transitioned from other sports to WWE with mixed results to say the least. But I don't think it's fair to immediately rag on someone because they have that kind of background. I, I think it's just I think it's a double standard to say that you know if we hate on in, for you to say you don't like it when people rag on indie guys and to immediately say oh we don't want football players into the business. It's it's not fair. It's it's definitely not fair. As long as he's going to work hard and doesn't get like a ton of, it, it, the issue again is always comes down to WWE booking. It always comes to how to, how they book the stars. It always comes down to how we present them. Does it feel like they earned it on their talent alone, or does it feel like they've just been given it because of a certain appearance or celebrity status? Like Omis is getting this kind of hate a little bit in in on Raw right now as Raw Tag Team Champion with AJ Styles, to which I'm having a hard time defending because it does seem a bit like he's getting it on his height alone. Which okay, to be fair, he is very imposing. It's very interesting to watch someone as tall as him wrestle, but he's not that great, and uh, he's just he's very slow, and he's got he's got Styles with them, but. I don't know, to be squashing the New Day, they must have high hopes for him. And we, excuse me, he can hope to to improve over time. We can hope that he does improve and he's not just another great Kali. Speaking of great Kali, in a recent interview, great Kali was told by Vince McMahon that for his WWE debut, he wanted him to kill The Undertaker. He wanted, everyone knows about the famous or infamous at this point, great Kali Undertaker debut match where... Kali famously ruined the Undertaker in a match, and then to beat him, just used one foot to pin this legend, to pin the Undertaker. One foot, like he was a common jobber. But as he said in his interview with Fightful, Vince said, I want to, to debut you. But he didn't say who is my opponent. He gives me a call and says, Come to TV after WrestleMania. You have a big day. You need to go out during Mark Henry and fighting, and you need to kill the Undertaker. I was so happy. He tried to explain, and Vince said, yes, kill him hard. Not easy. The moment was really great. All the world knew who was Great Kali. I want to thank Vince McMahon WWE for making Great Kali. Of course, a bit of broken English in there. Uh, great Kali, not... Uh, I do not believe a native English speaker, if I'm correct. Or he's just he's also just never been a great promo, as is. I want to just double-check where... Before I say anything too offensive about on that point. Yeah, from India. So, yeah, not a native English speaker. Uh, he can't actually speak English a few rows back. He's, yeah, he is, he is, he has, um, tried to improve his English over time, but regardless, never been a great, great talker as is in terms of promo game, but eh, he was, he was entertaining enough as a, as a comedy wrestler and height wise, but either way, yeah, that, that's just kind of a funny little story all in all that Undertaker so many times gets the shaft when it comes to that kind of stuff where he'll, he was used to put over the next big thing, quote unquote, because he had that, as many people call it, golden touch, where he could lose so many matches and then still be perceived as a main event or threat. But yeah, Kali, Gonzalez, Vladimir Kozlov, eh, not a great track record, sadly. Oh, well. So it's just kind of a little funny story there. I, I, I kind of enjoyed that. Just Vince, Vince McMahon just say, yes, kill him hard, kill him hard. And of course, I'm doing the requisite Vince McMahon voice that everyone must do when speaking as Vince. Uh, other news, we have Daniel Bryan recently has let his WWE contract expire or supposedly expire. 
as he's stated he wants to do a bit more with his career or he just need or, and WWE has stated it's a bit more wanting him to recharge his batteries which they thought was the case with John Moxley and we know how that turned out Mr. AEW World Champion win was better than my WWE Champion win so but Daniel Bryan there is no new rule against him about against people mentioning Daniel Bryan on television so this is a big big point because Usually for the longest time when someone is leaving WWE or when someone is going to be kind of going away, they tend to downplay them. They'll tend to want to lower their stock as a performer or they'll want to make as little mention to them as possible to avoid kind of stirring up fan interest. So for WWE to not have said anything about this is very, very interesting and kind of states that either they have a lot of confidence that he is going to return and that this is nothing big or there is some rule that has been created that we just don't know about so it is it is yeah it, he is reportedly let his contract expire and he is not yet to commit or comment recently and WWE has moved him to the alumni section which is usually a sign but we, we also saw this with Drew Gulak where Drew Gulak was put into the alumni section before being rehired later on so it's it's this is definitely an interesting development. Either I want I want to hope in many ways that this is WWE becoming a bit more mature and actually respecting their history, not just when it benefits them. So it's like you know you can mention Daniel Bryan without even though he'll probably be working somewhere else or he won't be on television. But my hopes are my hope is that WWE can work something out with Bryan where because reportedly there's been no bad blood, that there's no issue with Daniel not returning and there's not been any issues with the fact that he may wrestle somewhere else. So I'm hoping we get just like, I don't want him to really go anywhere different and stay. I want him to like do a circuit run. I want him to like travel the world as Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, and just do what he does best and wrestle amazing matches with a lot of special talents. I want to see him like, I want to see him go up against Josh Barnett. I want to see him go up against like uh, Okada. I want to see him maybe, maybe just do like one AEW thing. Maybe just like one good AEW match, but that's it. And that could be, that could be like, you know, breaking the door open. That could be a step in the right direction with WWE finally realizing, you know, we can work with other people. There's been recent news that WWE has been reaching out with MLW to work with them, which that would be amazing. I mean, I know MLW, and when it comes to the to the hierarchy of wrestling promotions, is kind of on the lower end. It doesn't really have an official TV show, but it's also, and it's not even like one of the better indie ones out there. But they have an insane roster of talent. They've got a lot of great ex WWE guys. They got some good gimmicks. They got LA Parka. They got El Jefe. They've got Kruger, Davari, Jordan Oliver. There's so many, so many great wrestlers on there that would be a shame that they didn't want to work with them. And supposedly, I believe in the news was it was going to be something similar to what they did with Evolve, where they have some of the guys like from NXT or WWE that aren't really doing anything at the moment kind of go over there to give some kind of goodwill and kind of pop the crowd a bit more, help them with their business. It's kind of like a support system thing, kind of what they did with Evolve, where they'd have some of their NXT guys like Tyler Breeze or I think Dan Matha actually helped them out once, <laughs> Brendan Vick or Balba Tunde, where they would all go and then they wrestle a random match and it kind of helped boost their ratings a bit. But we all know how Evolve turned out and Progress also was the same. The Progress kind of, Progress isn't the same anymore. It's kind of a shame, but we can't hark too much on that. The Progress isn't what it once was. So we have what we have with Progress. 
But regardless, I'm hoping Brian will do something where he'll just become he'll become like someone an ambassador for WWE where he goes around and wrestles all these matches. I want I want to see him in Ring of Honor. I want to see him in New Japan. I want to see him in NWA. I want to see him in the NWA for God's sakes. He could just have so many great matches, so many people out there that it'd be a shame for him just to retire now. And I'm not even a shame if he just rehires WWE because he still can he still has a lot to give, even at just 39 years of age. But there's a lot circulating around this. It's been reported that Brian is playing his cards close to his chest. So we'll have to see what happens in later news. I'm personally hoping for the world tour and return to WWE backstage where he can help give some of those underused, underutilized guys a bit of a push. Speaking of people and their utilization, we have MJF, who's been utilized very, very well in AEW, mentioning that in the next four years after his AEW contract expires, so 2024, he has mentioned what, what he's planning on doing and if whether or not he'd ever go to WWE. And in an interview where he most definitely was just in character and just shooting, uh, he mentioned how the pinnacle and then when they, when he becomes AEW world champion and he's working with the pinnacle and they have all the gold, he's like, it's going to be the highest bidder baby. And we're going to go wherever the money's telling us. Okay. Like we know that's not true. A MJF is AEW through and through. He's going to be their undertaker. I cannot see MJF leaving AEW so soon, unless the bucks and Kenny Omega and just, unless they just completely botch him somehow in the next four years, which just seems impossible to me. I really don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I really don't think he is, especially with the fact that WWE has so notoriously had been st really stingy on what they let their talent say in promos. And someone like MJF, who is 99% promos and how, what, where his talent comes from. Again, I, uh, that's just me. I've never been a huge fan of his in-ring work, but Promo-wise, he's always been gold, and he writes his own stuff. So for him to leave to a place like WWE, which is so much more constrictive on what his, on what they can, what they'll let you say, I just don't see him doing it. I just, I just do not see him doing it. I, I'd see him go somewhere else before I'd see him go to WWE. And unless NXT changes up, I know NXT is a bit more free with what they give their people to work with in terms of promos. I've heard. And unless something happens with with uh, Vince finally realizing, you know, maybe we should do some other stuff with their with their w, with their promos, which it doesn't seem likely. I know Triple H has been pushing for it, and Drew McIntyre has also really been wor working to get more free promo work. I think citing, I think he cited the WrestleMania time where they just let a bunch of these guys cut their own promos as an example of what the benefits are. Those promos were okay, by the way. They just. They were they were obviously they were tacked on and none of them really had a lot of time to think. So unless they were like Kevin Owens, who just can uh, weave verbal gold with every sentence, with every word he speaks, I just don't think he. I don't think it's. I think I, I don't think those are going to be a great example. Is what I mean. I think I think it's going to take a bit of time to get back to that and for Vince to remember that you know these guys the the, the performers know their characters more than everyone else do. <laughs> so. Either way, I don't think he's leaving for aid. I don't think he's going to leave for WWE. I do not think that at all. I like his work with the Pinnacle so far. Recently, they, of course, beat the Inner Circle in a in the first ever Blood and Guts match, a.k.a. just a War Games match, a.k.a. what NXT's been doing, a.k.a. what the WCW people did, a.k.a. I'm using a.k.a. way too much. 
So sorry about that. But news about the recent AEW Blood and Guts pay-per-view. Uh, not really pay-per-view, I should say. Kind of a special episode. But overall, pretty good night. P- pretty good night, I'd say. So, yeah, they had um, several matches. They had AEW World Champion Kenny Omega and Nakazawa versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston in a tag team match to which uh, Kingston and Moxley won fairly convincingly after Omega broke back, broke up the pin before just kind of leaving Nakazawa in the middle of the ring with a lariat half and half suplex combination on Nakazawa. Okay, so here's one thing. Um, first and foremost, I've never been a huge a Nakazawa fan. I, I don't think he's that that great, but but um yeah. One thing with AEW is you know they of course want to promote that they don't work with heels and faces and that they have characters so alliances between boundaries like that will, won't affect it so someone like nakazawa or brandon cutler who are faces working with ww and uh, not ww with the bucks and kenny omega wouldn't be unnatural but at the same time it's it's weird it is weird to see these kind of guys working together when they know that these people are going to just stab them in the back and with all the kind of character changes so that's just my opinion, at least. I always kind of find that weird. So they'll just have, you know, this guy like, Omega's not a good person. Omega will stab you in the back. And he did this with Nakazawa. And for someone like a Nakazawa to just kind of follow him because, you know, they're supposed to be friends, it still seems weird that he doesn't realize a change in his in his friend's behavior. Uh, other news, uh, speaking of which, kind of QT Marshall with the factory versus Cody Rhodes. Uh, this has not been a good storyline. This just has not been a good storyline at all. Because the issue is, the idea is Marshall is upset with Cody being very arrogant, which to AEW's credit, they do acknowledge Cody's ego a little bit, but they're portraying him as a face. He is so clearly a face. And I know, again, I just said they don't want to portray heels as faces, but they do. They do, and they they know it. They do portray certain people as heels and faces regardless. And this is one of those cases where Cody was the face and he, you can't, you're having him be this really egotistical. You're saying the reason is his ego and his character. And like, we saw that, but then Marshall is suddenly the heel. And I'm trying to explain how this works, but it's kind of my reasoning behind it. But it's, it's weird in the sense that Marshall is the heel because he thinks Cody is arrogant. Cody is arrogant. We know that, but those are the traits and egotistical. And we know those are the traits associated with a heel. So obviously QT should be more of the face here. He doesn't want like working with Cody's egotistical behavior, yet Cody is the face here because QT Marshall's fed up with him. It if you get if that makes sense. And I don't it just it just seems really weird. And then of course for him to suddenly form his own faction with the factory, which is kind of cool. We have some pretty cool guys involved with the factory. We have uh, obviously Marshall is kind of working as the king of the throne of the the steel the, I believe it's the steel throne, which is the steel stairs where he'll uh, get whoever they just beat and he'll pile drive them onto the steel stairs as he sits on it like a throne. But recently, QT Marshall's um, factory is mostly people that have been working under the AEW factory. And the factory being their kind of version of a developmental brand. But it starred the... Uh, who is, I'm trying to find the name. It's QT Marshall, obviously working with the former uh, Nick Camarado. I believe, or I believe he's still considered Nick Camarado. And AG Lee Lee Johnson. What the heck am I saying? Sorry, uh, J- Lee Johnson. Yeah, Lee Johnson and someone else whose name I cannot remember. 
at this current in time, but either way, it was it was a fine match. It, they they it was it kind of had that need of it kind of had that issue of you know it felt like it was a bigger deal than it was. I, well, they tried to make it a bigger deal than it was because I really don't think anyone really cared that much about this feud, and I didn't. Um, not uh, Anthony is Anthony. Oh yeah, Anthony Ogo. That's that's the other guy. Is Anthony Ogo, Nick Camarado. AJ Lee Johnson and oh no Aaron Solo I apologize Aaron Solo was the one who's joined them and the the former Olympic boxer Anthony Ogo who's having who's been trying to get find his bearing in WWE currently not WWE and, and AEW currently but he's been doing well I don't really like his finisher it's a punch to the gut that's been giving some kind of derision as you know it's it's a realistic finisher but at the same time it's a bore, very very boring finisher, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, it, this is a fine match. It, I didn't have the emotional heft that I think it it thought it did, and Cody won via submission. So, yeah, Cody wins. Lol. <laughs> then we had for our other matches, we had Britt Baker versus Julia Hart in a squash match, which is nice, as reestablishing Britt Baker as a as a solid talent. She's definitely going to become AEW Women's Champion at one point. She's improved so much. She's so good on the mic. She deserves it. Then we had a, t- a title eliminator match. Okay, at one point this out, I find this hilarious. The WWE got a ton of crud for uh, using the term eliminator when a lot of other groups have always used eliminator as well as a term. So, yeah, just, I just think that's hilarious. They were like, oh, why is WWE using the term eliminator? And now AEW and everyone else is using eliminator. As just a, as a regular turn of phrase, it's it's a thing. Eliminator tournaments are a thing. That's what they call it. So, Varsity Blondes versus SCU versus the Acclaimed versus Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic Express, uh, established by not established by represented by Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. This uh, this was like this was fun. I I enjoyed this. I really I really enjoy this. I think SCU was way too predictable. I do not know what the heck they are doing with SCU recently but seu is going to fight the young bucks for the titles so that should be fun kazarian and kazarian and daniels are really really solid tag team they're they've always they're very good pair of hands at their age still very talented though i kind of would have liked to see varsity blondes brian pillman and uh, uh Gif- griff garrison i think are awesome the acclaimed were also really really funny too so yeah, but we'll see. I, I'm I kind of get the feeling Kazarian's gonna turn on, is <laughs> gonna turn on um, on Daniels and try to join the Young Bucks and their team. So also next week we're having John Moxley defend his IWGP US Championship against Yuji Nagata, which is very cool. Yuji Nagata, a I believe a former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, if I am correct in remembering that, uh, but a member of the New Japan roster one of the New Japan dads, as they are called, uh, currently at the age of 53. Just awesome guy, awesome talent. Now, uh, former, I don't really want to call him an MMA star. He fought two matches against Mirko Krokop and Fedor Emelianenko, two of the greatest of all time, and just was dominated. So I can't really call him a MMA specialist, but yeah, uh, amazing uh, wrestler, too, of a... Wrestling News Observer Hall of Fame in 2018. Let me double check if I'm correct. Uh, New Japan Cup winner 2007, 2011, uh, and yeah, a double time, two time IWGP Heavyweight Champion and former IWGP Tag Team Champion. 
overall very solid talent. He is great technical work, great striking. His his roundhouse kicks are something to admire. And he also has a really cool backdrop suplex pin, which is really cool. So yeah, that should that should be a good match. That really should be. Um, you know, I I I think it's pretty obvious that Moxley is going to win. I don't think they're going to put it on Nagata at this at this point in his career. He's kind of at that age where he's going to be fighting young lions and putting over younger talents, and maybe scoring a few cheeky upsets against the other other new Japan dads, but he's not going to win it here. Moxley is still too cool, too new and still too awesome for new Japan to be wasted. Now then, uh, moving on, we also had a segment against Cassidy and Omega, which should be pretty fun. Omega's obviously a great talent and orange Cassidy is obviously also really, really good when he, you know, tries, he is going to try. Yeah. So that should be fun. But, Otherwise, we have Double or Nothing, which is coming up, and Darby Allen is going to be uh, defending his title against Miro, for the former Rusev for the AEW TNT champion. So, otherwise, but the main topic I think everyone wants to talk about is what happened at the end of. At the, I have three minutes before I have to do my station ID and everything, so just run this down what happened at the end with chris jericho so obviously the pinnacle one of course putting over the new talent everyone blood a uh, blood everyone bled a ton in this match and i don't know where i am on the stance yet about the use of blading and wrestling i think it adds a lot of heft to it i don't i think someone like cody uses it way too much when it's not needed but i think in a situation like the blood and guts it needs it because, you know, blood and guts, and I think it really sells the brutality of the match. I just don't think nowadays it's needed for everything because, again, we know wrestling isn't real. We know it's not that someone, we know someone's going to get kicked in the face. So they don't need to bleed in order to sell it. We need to save those kind of for those really intense moments. But regardless, it led to an awesome visual of MJF at the top of the, at the, top of the structure looking out, out to the side with this kind of Yule punchable smirk. But... There was obviously the ending where Jericho was on the top of the cage with MJF, and after Sammy Guevara quit for their team, uh, MJF pushed Jericho off the top of the cage into what was so obviously a crash pad. It was just so obvious what happened, and this sparked a lot of a lot of debate. So first and foremost, a lot of people comparing it to what happened a few months ago with the uh, Sparklers. Sparklegate, as they call it, where the explosion to the exploding barbed wire death match in AEW did not deliver on the promises of the intensity of the explosion like previous barbed wire death matches have. But it's it's just not the same. It, it just it, it it is not the same. Where with that we were promised there would be an explosion. We were promised something huge, and we had other things to look out. We did not know Jericho was going to get pushed off the cage to begin with. Second, Jericho is 50 and should not be being thrown off like that to begin with, like Shane. Shane's falls always are also a lot smaller and also have, okay, not smaller, but he does it through the announce tables, which break his impact a lot better, which are obvious crash pads as well. Those announce tables work so well as crash pads too, but they're just less obvious crash pads. But... Yeah, to protect Jericho, they obviously needed to Matt Hardy where he fell to the table and gave him one heck of a concussion. So it's it, it just kind of feels a bit 
it feels a bit like a double standard. It, it feels a bit like a double standard for fans to kind of hate them that they're not, that these wrestlers aren't putting their bodies through a ton of pain. Like we want to keep our wrestlers safe, especially someone like, excuse me, like Jericho, who is at that age where he can't risk taking a huge bump like that and, you know, breaking his back or being put on the shelf for so long. So it's just, it's, it's a silly thing, I think, to, to really rag on them for. I, I really think it's a bit of a silly thing. I think it's some fans who just really hate AEW or looking for anything, any little thing. I'm hoping when they sell it, my, my only thing is when they sell it, I want them to sell it like, like stick to your guns. Stick to it that that was a devastating fall. Stick to it that there was that was a huge drop for Jericho and he may need he may need surgery. Stick to it. Do not then come back next week and be like, "Ha, Wallace, you all cared that much and he just fell on a bunch of mattresses." Ha ha, funny. We're 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 with you guys. We're with you. So don't do what you did with the stupid sparkler thing. That that's what peeved me off most of all. Like if you're going to do it, just do it, sell it, stick with it, and accept the fact that it was a bad, that you did a bad job on that. Just, I mean, again, I don't think the crash pad is that terrible. I don't, I mean, yes, it was painfully obvious, but at the same time, I understand why they needed to do these kind of crash pads, and I know it's, not everything can look perfect. Wrestling isn't an exact science. Not everything goes to plan, and I think people can forget about it and can, should forget forget about it and forgive them. But if you're going to don't do not like play it off like that was the intent that it looked super obvious because it's so obvious it was not. Do not do that. AEW has a terrible habit of wanting to be with the crowd. Like, okay, that sounds uh, they want to be in on the joke is I think uh, that's what I mean. Like they they feel like they have to be in on the joke with the fans. They feel like they need to be so in sync with the fans that they're willing to, you know, just compromise everything about it. Like, again, the sparkler thing. I, I just keep bringing this up because it was just so stupid because they they sold when they did the sparkler thing, they sold the explosions on the pay-per-view. Let's we forget they sold those explosions like it was devastating. Excalibur and Ross were all like, oh my God, I, I felt that explosion on my feet. Dear God, that, that, that's devastating. We're getting the medical professionals on them. Look at that. Uh, Kingston is unresponsive. King and, and Moxley is unconscious from the explosion. And they were selling it. They had the medical people come out there like they'd just gone through some kind of massive nuclear explosion. Like they they were Indiana Jones and Crystal Skull. But but then the next night, Kenny's like, "Ah, oh, hi, you're all you're out there cuddling each other. And it was just a bunch of explosions. I planned this. It's like, no, you didn't. You're doing this because the fans hated it. And you want to look like you're cool and trying to listen to them. It's it's not. I'm sorry. That's what bothers me about it. I wish they could have just like stuck to their guns and sold it. It was a terrible explosion. And that's what I want here. I want them to just sell the fact that they made a small mistake and... Yeah. Other way. Um, either way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So, other news. Yeah. Either way. Good night for blood and guts. Amazing match. Amazing visual with MGF on the top saying uh, thank you to Chris Jericho. Very poetic ending there. And then AEW, of course, touting its ratings because another small rant incoming. Pardon me. Ratings are dumb. The, the, the rating things are very, very dumb. Yeah, so it my my thoughts on the rating thing is the Wednesday Night Wars were single-handedly one of the dumbest things that have ever happened in the recent years of pro wrestling with the fans. The Wednesday Night Wars were dumb. It, it was very very dumb. Because let's first and foremost, let's look at something. The original Monday Night Wars, the original WCW versus WWE Monday Night Wars 
were, for God's sakes, they were five years. There was a five-year span to which WCW was routinely beating Raw. Not not just like it wasn't inconsistent. No, for five straight years, WCW beat WWE in the ratings. Five years from 1995 to not 1995. I apologize, but like um, sorry, I said five years. I mean, sorry, it lasted five years, and but they beat them consistently for three years. So, yeah, it lasted about what was it? 2001. So, 2001, 1995. So, okay, so it lasted about six years. I do apologize. It lasted for six years, but WCW beat WWE from 1996 all the way to 1988, almost nonstop. Just three consistent years of of, of dominance. Three years of dominance in w, of WCW beating WWE. And what is the Wednesday Night Warbin? The Wednesday Night Warbin maybe a year. It, and AEW has... Yeah, they they've had a very very long span of winning over WWE, but we act every every time it was like that was this was a huge deal that they won another night of ratings, as if like you know we're we're consistently beating NXT still, and yeah, that's good and all, but like that shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter anymore. Can't we just care more about the fact that that many people are watching wrestling and that wrestling is becoming as popular as it is that wrestling that AEW is bringing in a younger audience. We care more about that. Like, I, I oh God, the demo thing that was just kind of dumb as is, but it just, it, it, it's just, I'm trying to explain this. It, it's just, it's, it's dumb because first and foremost, the, when anytime NXT won, of course, someone would come out and tell like, ah, oh, we won the demo rating. Ha ha. That's what really matters. And it's, it's, it's so stupid. The, the, the fact that this demo thing came out and I, don't know, I, I can't really express what I guess it's just that it's, it's dumb. It, we should care more about the fact that people have been more people are watching wrestling now and that both groups are doing so that both NXT and AEW, some of the best wrestling on the planet are both doing as well as they are now that they've gone to separate nights. We should not be caring about the fact that one's beating the other. Well, this isn't 1998 anymore. This And it was dumb back then too. It, it was dumb back then too. Or we're, we can't. It's we're this one or one or the other mindset. It, it's it, why why does it need to be one or the other? Why doesn't it does not need to be one or the other? We can enjoy both products equally, and yeah. So that's just my thought on ratings. But they were touting the fact that they had gotten such great ratings, of course, with Blood and Guts, well deserved for Blood and Guts as well. Okay, so. That's my small rant for my small two rants for now. And I'll finish up my last one with a small note that Dave Meltzer gave a six star rating to a recent match between Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi at the wrestling Dontaku night two. Um, yeah. Now again, Dave Meltzer's star ratings are dumb. I do not think. Yeah, I, I do not think the Dave Meltzer's star ratings are at all good. I do I think they're some of the I do not think they're beneficial to wrestling, and I think they've in most parts I think they've done a lot more damage than they have good. As guy as a set guideline, it's fine. I obviously if someone's got gave it a four star match, that's obviously something you should look out for. But again, it's also Meltzer's like insistence, like it's his own arrogance that he acts like, oh, they don't matter. But it's like, you know, they matter. You know, your star rating has influenced this company, this, 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 the society of wrestling as a whole, you know, you have an influence. 
But yeah, let me explain why the six stars thing is dumb and why any anytime he marks out and goes over five stars is dumb. Because, okay, so 2.5 stars is considered an average match. This has been stated that, I believe by him, that on and is on the website, that 2.5 to 3 star is what is considered an average match worth a watch. This is a match that you can should be good on average for a pay-per-view. So then a 4 star is an above average, and a 5 star is what has been considered a perfect match. Do not let him lie to you and say that 5 stars is being generous. 5 stars is always been, has been considered the perfect for the longest time now. It has changed with the times that that is perfect. Six stars and these seven stars, these 5.25 things are just dumb because then your scale has no system. Then Your scale has no set boundaries. Roger Ebert would never go into like a, a movie and go like, you know, I have physically grown a third. We have physically grown a sixth arm. So now we can officially say we give this movie six thumbs up or something like that. Well, they, they never like, I broke their system. They never went suddenly like five thumbs up. They never did anything like that. My math was terrible there. I do apologize, but they just, they never broke the system. He never suddenly went six stars for this movie. He stuck to a system. He had credibility. He at least attempted to seem objective. I know journalists are not objective beings. I know they are subjective, but it's Meltzer's weird arrogance and coyness about the whole system just is infuriates me so many times. The fact that he's actively worked with new Japan to sell angles for Omega just also shows how much of a, of a fanboy he can be. And it's just like be a be the journal, a journalist, like just try to be objective, try to at least appear objective. Do not try to act as though the, your system was always meant to be broken and really vague. You had five stars set as your maximum for a reason. They've been, it's been five stars has been the maximum for the longest time. And the problem with giving out six stars is then what does this mean for other matches? What does this mean then for where's the where's the standards? Where are your set standards? Like blank. Like again, Triple H versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania WrestleMania 30, if I'm correct. That got a 3.25 stars. That match is awful. That match is awful because you consider length a part of your rating system. Um, the longer a match is, the more likely the better star rating it will get. This is an awful system because that was a terrible match, not 325. And just some in a random New Japan match, then can suddenly get a four star and against an Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels match at WrestleMania, which is considered like one of the best matches. It's like, where is your system? Where is like, I don't like calling people out like this. And it's just, but this just system infuriates me that people take it as gospel so many times and when there's no objective standards to it. And then he touts out the six star thing like it's, no big deal. And people try to defend the six stars as it's something good. It's the undercard. Run back at you again. It's currently now four. Time for my final small rant, I guess. So uh quick, more lighthearted news, of course. We have Kyle O'Reilly talking a bit about his new cool Kyle character in NXT, saying how it's kind of reminiscent about his previous life and on the indies when he wasn't, you know, in a tag team with other people and kind of how it's trying to find himself. And you know what? I personally enjoy it. I, I've been enjoying the new Kyle character. I, I really think it fits him. I kind of like his whole sleepy-eyed killer kind of vibe about him, but I really love seeing the quirkier, cool guy side of him that I think they kind of try to do with John Moxley, uh, Dean Ambrose, but yeah, never always con- didn't always connect. 
But in other news, we also have John Cena fueling some uh, return news with a post on Instagram where he wrote, or did he write something? I nope, actually no, I did. He just he just posted a picture of the WWE logo. <laughs> That's fun. But he has also um, been working with James Gunn's Suicide Squad, where he's playing as the Peacemaker, a douchey broy Captain America type. Pretty fun. Uh, a, sad, a bit of sad news. We have EC3, who has been uh, hospitalized, of course, after some infection with COVID, after testing positive COVID-19. Kind of a shame. Obviously, EC3, very, very talented individual, currently signed with Ring of Honor. He said, basically, in other words, uh, EC3 is full blog right now. In other words, at the Immortal Phil Cons, I am not dead yet. If you know or if you don't know, if you care or if you don't care, this is my story. Hashtag control your narrative. I was recently hospitalized with a pretty severe infection. To maintain some HIPAA rights, basically two times this year, I found myself infected post-COVID. Once in my foot stemming from a wound from a torn tendon procedure and another from a cat su- a cut suffered from a match where maybe a wrestling canvas isn't the most sanitary place to be, but both times were treated with antibiotics. Both times I missed no activity and continued my terrorist efforts, efforts of conquest in the physical, mental, and spiritual realms. A couple of weeks ago, I noticed the swelling developing in my arm and other areas of my body, paying in very little attention. With using while using bro science neurodiagnosis, I continued my daily missions and overwhelming burdens placed upon myself in training performance. So uh, I placed upon myself in training performing. While I thought about getting it looked over professionally, another thing would come up, and I'd give that priority. This repeatedly, I lived life normally, consistently going no rest. Finally, after an attempt at some athletic based therapy, my arm became a gigantic, swollen, horrifying, ungodly, painful atrocity, and I went to the ER. Uh, this goes further. He says the next 10 days or so became a blur. I shut down completely physically and mentally. Uh, and he's just been talking about how he's been thankful to his visitors. You can read the whole post, of course, on his blog. I can't physically tell you to go read it, but it is very interesting. It ends with a Victor Frankl man search for meaning quote, which I adore. My English teacher would adore that too. He ended with a Victor Frankl quote. But it's good to see he's at least doing a bit better. It would be it's nice that he's at least um getting healthier than he's not he's he's still kind of maintaining a positive attitude about everything but still it's, it's still sad to see we hope him a speedy recovery and other funny news we have paul Heyman, who's expressed uh that he wants the ecw fan base to be a part of the of the uh ww hall of fame because there's been no as he put it there's been no fan base that has been more outspoken in history as the EC, EC, ECW one, which in many respects, ECW's fans should get some credit because they were such a huge part to what made ECW so great. But of course that won't happen, but I just thought it was kind of a funny lighthearted moment. Sean Waltman did not care for the A&E Macho Man, Randy Savage biography. He did not like some of the portrayal as well. Uh, I can't get into the whole details of that. It's very profanity uh, ridden. And I have not seen the biography myself, so I can't really speak a lot on that. But he's had just had some issues, of course, with the kind of portrayal of some of the people. And yeah, I, I guess I can understand. Macho Man's a very complex individual and can't, and has, it's, it's always going to be hard to have a one say and take on him. But I wanted to end today with my final thoughts on Impact's choice to give. Kenny Omega, I get that's kind of a heelish thing for him to, you know, not give a lot of credit to the AEW. I'm sorry. It's on the one hand, yes, for him to not be carrying the belts himself, it's a very heelish act of him to be doing that, to be 
to to not hold the belts and i get that and yeah i also get the disrespect some of the impact guys feel because you know we don't as fans we don't know what the plan is we do not know what the plan is currently if this is part of the thing that impact's gonna have a huge rally and take out omega and his heelish ways or if this is just aew bragging and so i, I guess i get both sides sides in a way but i also think some people need to calm down because it's like this is a really good heel act by uh, Omega to not be holding it. Maybe when he comes to Impact, he'll have the belt around his waist and maybe it'll change it around. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, sorry about that. I'm just kind of gathering my thoughts a little bit and reading what one of my friends posted because we I had a lot of discussions about this. So, basically, Omega winning the title. I can see, I've talked to people about this and I can see the benefits. I apologize for the dead air, by the way, but I was reading what my friends had written to kind of make sure I have all the thoughts I want to say about this. So this is a huge moment, of course. This is supposedly the proverbial door being knocked open and we're letting companies work together a bit more, especially a huge company like AEW. And to now have one, two, three main titles on one show is a big, big deal. So... What does this mean? Like, what does this mean for wrestling as a whole that now AEW is taking, is kind of collecting the gold? So, um, I, I see both sides. I see it in a way that AEW is, first and foremost, they are, they are the new kid in town. They are also the most popular. They are one of the most popular and are the best way for many independents to get, independent scenes to get a lot more attention since they are very 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 popular of course and they're going to be getting obviously a lot of this attention and it's good for independent promotions to work with it like we see this with ww of course already where these independent promotions want to work for him want to work for them because they think will give them some a uh, leverage and some more clout within the system this works this does work so for impact and triple a to want to work with aw is beneficial and supposedly there has been a rise in some of the ratings for impact since Omega and AW have turned up. But on the one hand, how is this going to benefit in the long run? Is this, does this mean now that Omega has the title, does this mean the impact fans are now going to watch AEW? Does this mean, do AEW fans need, feel compelled to watch impact? Is this, who's really benefiting from this though? That's the real question is, Impact really benefiting as much from this as AEW is because by having their main title on AEW, AEW fans can stay where they are, but Impact fans then need to go watch AEW. Where's the motive for other fans to go and see Impact now? If Impact held the AEW title, AEW fans would be coming over to see them. That'd be beneficial for their product. But at the moment, it just kind of feels like it's benefiting AEW. And that was something my friend brought up where he said, you know, in one way, it kind of feels like AEW's kind of created this sense where it's like, we're the only, your only hope. You need to give everything to us so we can keep you afloat. It creates this sense where they're going to dominate these independent promotions by acting as though everyone needs to hitch their wagon to them and that they're the kingpin, which I can kind of see. I do. I, I, I can't think of the last time Triple Mania has done and Triple Mania, I keep calling it, Lucha Libre and Triple A has been doing anything. With the title, Omega has a terribly long reign. COVID's partially been to blame for that, but at the same time, he's held that title on himself, and he's barely talked about it. He's never really mentioned the fact that he's Triple A title. He's the Triple A title holder until recently now. So it's like, are they really benefiting from this? 
Are they benefiting as, as much from this as we expected? And again, we don't know the plan. Maybe eventually Impact guys are going to start coming to AEW, or maybe we'll see a bit more of the AEW title being defended on Impact, and maybe an Impact guy can win the AEW title. And then that creates this a really interesting contrast. But at the moment, it kind of feels like it doesn't really feel like Impact is getting a whole lot out of this. I, I don't know. It just, to me at least, when I see this, it doesn't feel as though they're benefiting. It feels like it's AEW putting itself as the top dog of the independents, and everyone needs to either fall behind or join up with them. And there's a lot to be said about uh, companies wanting to work together. There's a lot of benefits to it, for the fans at least. But here especially, it just it feels, I don't know, it feels like the intention's good, but it feels like at the end of the day, the win- I feel like AEW just benefits more from it than independents are so far. But there's still time to see what happens. And as of yet, there was a last impact, there was a bit of an issue because Kenny was advertised to be on it, and he only actually appeared till like the very end for a few minutes. So there's a lot that can be said about that. So I apologize for the kind of shorter span there for a second, but that's just kind of my final thoughts on on this kind of whole issue because it's it's a very, very touchy issue, and I can see it benefiting. I can really see it doing well. I can really see it where it becomes, you know, where this, like, this, uh, this makes impact look more important trying to take down the Titan, but what, what's going to happen? What will happen? And that's what's to be said. We just kind of need to sit and wait to see where this goes a bit more. So 